I want to welcome everybody who's here in person and joining us online today. Um, this is the best time of the year. I love this time of the year. And we are continuing in our series uh, called uh, the, the Seven Habits of a God-First Christian. If this is your first time here with us, welcome. I'm really glad you all are here. My name is Dave. And um, you're kind of coming in right in the middle of a series. That's fine because uh, uh, God has something for you today. So uh, we, we are talking about we're at part five, perseverance and godliness, and the, God, and the main thing is, God-first Christian always asks, what would Jesus do? Those lines uh, guide our lives and our decisions. Um, in, uh, in 1 Peter, I've been going through uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, what it said, that uh, Peter lists these things that, that, that are the habits of a God-first Christian. Thing, first thing he says is faith, and then you add to that, it's like he's building a house, faith's foundation, then you add goodness, then you add knowledge. Last week we talked about self-control, and then today we're talking about perseverance and godliness. These are the things in increasing measure that, that we're supposed to have in our lives. I want to take you guys to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 2 through 5. And in this, the, the, uh, the writer, a guy named John, writes letters to seven churches, and he has this to say to one of the churches in Revelation 2, 2 through 5. Jesus writes this, I, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles and are not, and have found them false. You've persevered and you've endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Okay, everything's going great so far. He's got a lot of great things to say to this church, but then he says this, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, we'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. In other words, this perseverance that they were doing wasn't enough. They were, they, they were persevering, but they'd forgotten their first love, which was Jesus Christ. So the definition of perseverance is this, continuing in the face of opposition, discouragement, and doubt. And godliness is having the same character, thoughts, and actions as God. So what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to persevere. We're supposed to continue in the face of opposition, discouragement, and doubt, having the same character and thoughts and actions as God. It's not enough just to persevere. See, we can persevere in all the wrong things. I know people have persevered in all the wrong things. They've gone on in their, in their own path and persevered, and God's trying to say, hey, you need to go this way, you need to go this way. They won't listen. They're persevering. And they think it's a virtue because they just keep going. But you can persevere in rebellion against God, which our country is doing right now. We're persevering in our rebellion against God. You can persevere in sin. You can persevere in what looks like godliness. It's actually legalism, like this particular church in Revelation. Uh, we're, not, we're called to persevere in godliness. But this troubling statement, this is what bothers me, you guys. This bothers me when I read this, when I read about in Scripture, it, it, what it says about us, that the troubling statement in Scripture is that most of us, not many of us, most of us, maybe even most of us sitting in this room right now and joining us online, are going to quit. We're going to quit on our faith. We're going to quit on God. That's what the Scripture says. And the Scripture tells us that most of us won't persevere. We'll fade away. We'll stop showing up. We'll embrace lukewarmness. We'll walk away. It's what the Bible says. Why? Why will so many people who accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, who have been baptized, who've, who, who have grown up and know the truth, know the truth, why will they walk away? Well, the three reasons Scripture tells us that people, that Christians will quit, that won't persevere. 
The first one is this. It's found in Matthew 24, 9 through 14. Jesus says this, And you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me, Jesus, right? Jesus says. At, the time, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate, hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase in witness, wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So the, 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 this passage identifies three reasons why so many of us will quit. First one is this, is this actual physical persecution. Persecution, all right? Many of us just don't have the stomach for persecution. Uh, the cost-benefit analysis just doesn't work for us. Uh, we simply don't love Jesus enough to go through what it takes to follow him. Um, it's a, it, it, we just, the cost of following Jesus was just too much, and the benefits not apparent enough for us to endure. And when following Jesus starts to hurt, many will quit. All right, because we're sold, and, and, and the, the reason is because a lot of us have been sold a false bill of goods. You've been, you've been told that following Jesus will make your life better and greater, and, and, and God will bless your bank account, and, 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 and your relationships will fall into place. And, and sometimes that happens. I mean, that, that there, there are good things that happen when you follow Jesus, but the church has not done a good job of saying, listen, when you, when you sign up to follow Jesus Christ, when you become a Christian, the, Satan has a target on your back. And there are things that will happen to you that are not pleasant. If you want to, if you want to know uh, the stories, go to the Bible. There's, not, there's, there, the, 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 there's only one disciple of Jesus that died a natural death. All the others were killed. And the one that died a natural death, they tried to kill him. They boiled him in oil. They, 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 tried to, they, they, they did everything they possibly could. And he was like Rasputin. He's like that mouse in your, in your house that you can't kill. He, he was, I mean, it was unreal. What he went through, he's, the Apostle John was the only one who died a natural death. And so a lot of us are just going to quit because uh, it, the cost of following Jesus is just too much. You know, uh, if following Jesus gets me a bad grade from a, from a teacher or a college professor, which is happening to our, our Christian young people right now. If, if, if I get denied a promotion at work or, or if I get socially left out of things, I'm, 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 not, I'm not getting invited to parties because I'm a Christian because I don't drink and I don't, I don't do these things. Um, I quit following Jesus. Um, it also says that, that, that uh, it will be hated. Now, we all want to be loved. Everybody wants to be loved. I want, I want people to like me. I want people to love me. I mean, that's natural. Okay? I don't want to be criticized or hated or, or for people to be mad at me. I don't like that. That's unpleasant. After all, Christians are supposed to be loving and kind and liked by everyone, right? Well, you don't get to be hated by serving orphans. And being kind and saying nice things, you all, you get to be hated by all nations because you challenge the cultural winds. You don't go along with the, what the crowd is doing. You have morals that don't accord with pop culture. And the problem is that most people simply aren't very courageous. When push comes to shove, the vast majority of people will keep their heads down. The goal will not make waves and they'll go along to get along. History has shown us time and time again. And because of that, there's steep cost of following Jesus. A lot of us just will quit. That's what the Bible says. That's, a, that's the first reason people, the Scripture says that many will quit. The second reason is this, is that false teachers will destroy trust. It says that many false teachers will appear and deceive many. Now, that, 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 when you hear false teacher, that takes two places. It's, it's two types of people. That's 
people like pastors in the church and people outside the church. Let's discuss the people in the church first. At the, the Bible says that in the end times, there'll be tons of false prophets, people that look like me and stand where I'm standing, that will teach the wrong things. They will not teach the word of God. They will teach feel-good things that people want to hear. They will tell people to, to, uh, uh, to, to go after what makes your heart happy. They will tell you to do things that, 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 that are embraced by non-Christian people. Um, they, they will, they, all types of false prophets will appear and deceive people. They will be dishonest with money. They will be dishonest with, uh, with, with the way that they run things. They are false teachers. The Bible identifies them. There will be a lot of them in the end times. And that is why I will tell you right now, if I ever preach something that is not in the Bible, if, if I'm used, teaching the word of God the wrong way, you all have an obligation to leave. Okay? You all need to all go out. There should not be a single one of you in here if we are not teaching what the Bible says. Because if you are here and you are putting up with wrong teaching, that means that you uh, have not heard from the Holy Spirit. So if, if we are teaching things that are not of God, if we are preaching things that are not straight from the Bible, y'all need to find another church, and you need to do it fast because your souls are in danger, okay? The second, second thing, though, is that media personalities will say that Christianity is old, outdated, it's, 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 it's wrong, it's bad, it's not cool, it's not hip. False teachers will deceive so many, and many people will buy it. That's what the Bible says. Right? But the third reason that people will quit is this. There'll be an increase in evil. Uh, there'll be wars and violence and crime. The, um, we, we're, we're seeing that quite a bit. I mean, that, 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 I, I don't know if it's increased. Uh, history shows there's always been that. Um, but uh, there will be pedophilia and satanic agendas for our children, which are being revealed every single day uh, in, in the news media right now. Um, I, 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 the, the increase in evil will cause people to quit. Uh, I, the guy whose property uh, I, I hunt every, every year, he's an atheist, and he's a wonderful guy. Um, and we were having a great, uh, great conversation one day when I, I didn't get any deer, and I just walked up saying, I'm about ready to go. And, um, and uh, he, he, he's caring for his mother uh, at the end stages of Alzheimer's. And, and three, of, three of my four grandparents had, had dementia and Alzheimer's. And, and so I, I empathized with them. I knew how tough that is. And he was just, he, he was just saying, there just, there just can't be a God because of what I'm seeing with my mother. And I get that. It is extremely difficult to persevere in faith when all these evil, all this bad stuff is happening. It really is and, uh, and I said, I, 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 I'm not going to argue with you because this isn't the right time to argue. I, all I just wanted to let you know is that I've experienced that myself, and I'm still here. So if you ever want to talk about it, please let me know. And he said, thank you. I appreciate that very much. Um, because of those things, people will quit. Now, none of those is legitimate. Not one of them. Persecution. People have endured persecution. They've stayed true to Christ. People have been hated. They stay true to Christ. People have persevered through false teachers and, and everything like that. The people, have done, uh, people have persevered through evil and everything like that. Though none of those are legitimate. Here's the only reason you can quit, and you hear it from, hear it from me. If this is the one thing that will cause me to walk away from, from Christ. All right? There's one thing. And if this criteria was met, I would cease being a Christian, and I would become an atheist overnight. You know what it is? Is this. If they found the body of Jesus. If they found the body of Jesus, if they could prove the resurrection didn't happen, 
If they could take me to a tomb in, in Jerusalem and say, this is the Son of God, this is Jesus, the whole thing's a hoax, then you can walk away, then you can quit. Because the whole message of Jesus was a sham. But until that happens, no one has a legitimate excuse to quit. None. They're all excuses. And, and so we are called Rather than to quit, rather than to let these things, the persecution or false teachers or evil to dissuade us, we are called to persevere in godliness and we're supposed to do three things. I'm, I'm going to tell you three things to do right now because these are the things that we need to zero in on as a church right now in America 2022. The first thing is this, we are called to continue to do what is right even when it hurts, even when it hurts. First Peter 2.12 says this, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day he visits us. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, even though they don't like you, they don't like your faith, they don't like what you stand for, they see your good deeds and glorify God. Um, I was watching... The greatest movie ever made, and you guys can try to change my mind. You're not going to, but you can try to change my mind. The greatest movie ever made, Hacksaw Ridge. <clears throat> greatest movie, my favorite movie of all time. I can sit there and watch it all day long. And those of you all that have not seen that, it is a story of a World War II, veteran, World War II uh, medic named Desmond Doss. Desmond Doss was a conscientious objector. He was a diehard Christian. He was a Seventh-day Adventist. And he did not believe in violence. He did not believe in, in carrying weapons. But when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, he had a sense of duty. So he, he went and, uh, and wanted to be a combat medic. He, wanted, he was training as a combat medic. <clears throat> One of the problems with that is that a combat medic had to qualify with, uh, on a rifle. And he would not pick up a rifle. He would not pick up a gun. He was accused of disobeying direct orders. He was thrown in the brig. He was, um, <clears throat> excuse me, he was threatened with, uh, with Leavenworth in prison. He was court-martialed and everything. And he still would not deny his beliefs. And, uh, and he was awarded, several, several months after that court-martial, he was awarded the Medal of Honor for quite possibly being the bravest man that the United States military has ever seen. When he was in the fierce fighting in Okinawa, he, uh, when, when, ever, when the entire army retreated, he stayed up in harm's way without a weapon and saved the lives of more than 75 men, soldiers, at cost of his own life. And I was watching this Totally inspired by the four things that I saw in Desmond Doss's life. Courage, honor, service, and self-sacrifice. Those are the four things that I saw in Desmond Doss's life at the cost of his own life. And, 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 having to, uh, and having to do things and having to persevere through all of the trials. And then that movie was over, you all. And I, by mistake, I shouldn't have done this, y'all, but I checked the news. And the story that came upon the news could not have been more, <laughs> more different than the story of Hacksaw Ridge and Desmond Doss. It was the story, the news story, 
was of government official Sam Brenton. He's the high-level government official in charge of nuclear waste disposal who steals women's luggage from airports. Been caught twice now. He makes 150000 a year, yet he goes to airports and takes luggage just for the thrill of it. He's got two felony warrants out for him. And the thing that just hit me, the contrast that, that, that this person has no honor, this person has no self-sacrifice, he, he has plenty, yet he wants to take from others because it's all about him. He has no courage, no service. He's only about himself. And I realize with sadness, you all, that Sam Brenton personifies America a lot more than Desmond Doss does. The words courage, honor, sacrifice, service are words that are laughed at in America now. They aren't honored. They aren't, they aren't seen as, as, as things that, are, that, are at, that we are to aspire to. They're seen as things that are laughable, downplayed, and doesn't prize. And a society that doesn't prize courage and honor will not last long. We live in a society that emphasizes self at the cost of honor. So will we be any different, church? How many Desmond Dosses out there that will do what is right in the face of a huge cost because of our commitment to our beliefs? And how many Sam Brittons are out there that'll just be about yourself, about making yourself look greater, about doing what you want at the cost of, uh, it doesn't matter what you do to other people. Will we be people like Desmond Doss who stay true to our beliefs? the face of a huge cost. So that's what God has called us to be. We're called to persevere in godliness. And parents, if you've never seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, I would highly advise you to see it. Now, it is a war movie, so use discernment because it is very, it, it probably fairly accurately portrays what the, what the battle was like. Um, use discernment letting your kids see it, but every person should see it and be inspired by this true story of the World War II veteran that in 1963, at the, at the, the um, celebration of the 100-year 100 100 anniversary of the Medal of Honor, Desmond Doss was chosen by surviving Medal of Honor winners to represent them at the White House. Now, when you are the unanimous choice of other Medal of Honor winners to go represent them, you're amazing. You are the best of the best, and that's who Desmond Doss was. And he did it because of the strength of his faith. Those stories need to be told. Those need to be inspired. Those need to live in our homes. We should live such courageous, honorable lives among the people of this country that though they accuse us of evil, they see our lives and glorify God. That's exactly what Doss's entire regiment did after he pulled off the miracle on Hacksaw Ridge. Honor, service, courage, and self-sacrifice are the things that need to mark our lives. Persevere. And God, the second thing that we need to do as a church is this. We need to continue discerning truth. Continue discerning truth. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says this. In fact, though, by this, by this time, you ought to be teachers. Speaking about people in the church, a lot of us should be teachers. A lot of us should be up here preaching. A lot of you should be pastoring churches right now. You should be teachers. 
okay? You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained, trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So my question is, are you mature? Can you distinguish good from evil? The problem is, is that it, it pains me. How many people will fall for any lie, any untruth, any half-truth that comes our way? It's incredible. Right now, there's so much falsehood out there being streamed right to our screens, right to this. I can get on this thing right now and get so many lies, so many half-truths, so many wrong things on my screen right now, and so can you. It takes a discerning eye to know what is true and false. And this is particularly important for our children. Now, me, I'm 48 years old. My beliefs are pretty well set. I'm not going to change a whole lot and preset my ways. I'm, you know, I'm already telling young kids to get off my lawn. That's, that's, that's the stage of life I'm in, okay? However, my children are not, that, are not in that stage right now. Our young people, our 20-somethings, or, or even our 30-somethings are not in that stage yet. Okay? In college, I learned about something. I was a psych major. I, was gonna, I wanted to work for the behavior analysis unit for the FBI. I wanted to profile serial killers and go after them. And I wanted, I've always been fascinated with the human mind. Uh, I think it's one of God's greatest inventions. It may be God's most complex thing, the human mind, how it works. Well, there's a thing uh, in psychology that, that is recognized known as the primacy of first learning. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. But the primacy of first learning is, is the way that, that our minds are, uh, are, are geared. And it basically says that whatever you hear first on a topic is what you're most likely to believe. Whatever you hear first. That's why it's so important to do children's ministry. And that's why it's so important to raise up our children to know Christ. Because what they hear first about Jesus is generally what they're going to believe. Now, the primacy of first learning also has an accompaniment. Okay? It is what we hear first and what we hear often. The primacy of first learning and repetition is what we believe. So parents, it doesn't matter what you hope your children believe. It doesn't matter what you hope your, uh, that the young people in this church believe. They are believing what they hear first and what they hear often. That's it. So parents, if you, uh, next time you uh, have a bad day and you're thinking about missing church, and you're thinking about not taking them to youth group. You're thinking about missing Wednesday night. You're missing, think, thinking about Sunday morning. Uh, I'm just having a bad day. I think we're going to stay home. Understand that your children are believing what they hear first and what they hear often. Okay? I'm a parent too, so I'm right there with you. So my question is, parents... Are you teaching your children to discern truth from falsehood? Are you keeping Jesus Christ first and often in their lives? Are you? Because that is what they believe. It doesn't matter what you hope they believe. It only matters what they're hearing first and what they're hearing often. Okay? Like I said, next time you're feeling lazy, you're tired, you're having a bad day, don't want to get to church or youth group, just remember that. Just remember that. And parents, so are you. We cannot discern truth when we aren't hearing truth consistently. If we're not in church, if we're not hearing the word of God preached, if we're not taking communion, if we're not giving our worship to God regularly, if we're not in the Christian fellowship, if we're not studying our, our, our Bibles personally, if we're not spending time with God in prayer, if we're neglecting those things, believe me, your beliefs are being, are being shifted. All right, The first step to atheism is staying home from church. When God's word is not in front of you, 
constantly, then your life shifts to what is in front of you. Please understand this, you all. You cannot follow Christ if his word, his presence, uh, the word of God being preached is not in front of you constantly. You can't do it. You are not designed to do that. You will believe what you hear first and what you hear often. Plain and simple. Let's, let's bring this home here. There are 8,760 hours in a year. The average Sunday church service lasts about 1.5 hours. We're, we're about an hour and 10. But let's just, let's just say that everybody, because you, know, you sit around and talk and get here early, and, and every, let's say 1.5 hours, an hour and a half. If a person were to attend Sunday service every week of the year, that would equal to 78 hours. 78 out of 8,760 hours a year. However, most Americans who consider themselves regularly attending churchgoers only attend Sunday service twice a month. Actually, the, the, it's now three times in two months. That's what is considered regular now. Now, I've never seen an athlete who went to three out of eight uh, games and consider themselves an athlete, but I digress. This means most regular tennis spend an average of 39 hours or less uh, in church with the rest of their church family in worship per year. It's a little more than 1.5 days out of 365 days. Are y'all following me here? Now consider this. Americans spend an average of 1,095 hours per year, three hours per day watching TV. 1,095 hours spent in front of the TV as compared to 39 hours on average in church. Which one is having a greater influence on us and on our children? Remember, the way your brain is wired is you believe what you hear first and what you hear often. So that is what we're up against. And if you wonder why so many young people are having trouble discerning truth, why they're doubting how God made them, how, what God's plan is for them. If you wonder about that, let's take a look at those hours. Let's take a look at what they are being, what they are hearing first, and what they're hearing often, and it shouldn't surprise us. So we need to train ourselves and our families to discern truth from falsehood. And we do that by immersing ourselves in the word of God and continuing to persevere with our church family. The third thing that we do to persevere in godliness is this. Keep the main thing the main thing. That's why we have a main thing every week. The main thing is keep the main thing the main thing. That's what it is. John 16, Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Listen to what this scripture says. He says three things here. The first thing that Jesus says is this, is that he wants us to have peace. He wants us to be at peace with God. He wants us to be at peace with the people around us. He wants to have peace in our homes. That is what he wants for us. He doesn't want discord. He does not want people yelling at each other. He does not want that. He wants us to have peace, right? But he says this, because in this world you will have trouble. I think this is a lost message in people today. I think most people quit because they, they think that some reason they shouldn't have trouble in life, that life should be easy. Jesus never said that. God never said that. Instead, the Bible is all about the horrible things that happen and how Jesus defeats them, okay? Isn't that amazing that people, that the Bible tells we'll have trouble? Our Lord and Savior promised we'll have trouble, that things wouldn't be easy. There will be times, people, in life, life is going to fall apart. It's happened to me, it's happened to you, it may be happening to you right now. But the Bible says 
that's okay. Don't quit. Keep persevering. Right? These words of Jesus are just very true. There'll be times when we don't feel like following him. I hear Christians just getting discouraged right and left saying that things are just so bad right now. How many of y'all have uttered those words maybe in the last month? Like, man, things are just bad. Uh, you know, it, we're going to hell in a handbasket. I've heard that. I hear that every day. Well, here's, here's a little bit of truth. There's never been a time when things have been great. Okay? There's never been a time when everybody walks outside of church on a Sunday morning and says, you know what? Things are just awesome right now. The world is great. My family's great. My life is great. Things are, this is the peak. This is it. It's never been that way. Okay? I was reading a book the other day that talked about how pastors weren't preaching God's word, how no one took Jesus seriously, how marriage was falling apart, young people aren't getting married anymore, how violence and crime was increasing exponentially, how promiscuity, people were just shacking up right and left, and society was going to fall apart in 10 years. The book was dated 1932, okay? That was being said 90 years ago. And, it, and if you think things are bad now, no matter how, no matter how bad you think things are now, Back in Noah's time, people were so awful, God destroyed the world with a flood. Now, that's bad, okay? That's how bad, you know, that, that's, that's bad. Only Noah survived that, okay? The book of Ecclesiastes, written 3,000 years ago by King Solomon, the wisest person to ever live, says this very strange comment that a lot of us could really learn from. It says this in the book of Ecclesiastes, do not, say, do not ask why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such statement, ask such questions. Isn't that amazing? Even back 3,000 years ago, they were talking about the good old days when, when politicians were, were honest and children respected their elders. No. That didn't happen. That time never existed. Okay? And that implies, like I said, people get discouraged when they think things are getting so bad and getting so worse. Well, here's the thing. That implies that things were so great back then. And they're worse now. Guys, I'm telling you, that great time never existed. It's a false thing in your mind. If you simply understand that things have never been good, then you understand what Jesus said, that you will have trouble. So, okay, so things are exactly the way Jesus said they'd be. Cool. And then he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I win, Jesus says. Be encouraged. Don't quit. Because it's always been bad. But guess what? I win. And I want you on my team. That's what Jesus says. Well, it's very strange, actually, because he says this in John chapter 16. You know what happens like a few minutes later? Judas betrays him. He's arrested. And then he's killed. He's executed. Now, that doesn't sound like he's overcome the world, does it? Well, it depends on what your definition of overcoming the world is. If you think Jesus overcoming the world means that he was going to take control of the government and culture and he was going to kick out all the bad people and throw all the bad people in jail and establish everything exactly the way he wants it. Well, if you think that's what overcoming the world is, then he was a failure. But if you think that Jesus overcoming the world means that he accomplished his goal of saving lost humanity from their sins and from hell and opening wide the door for all of us to have eternal life for those who would confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then he did win. And he was a success. 
Remember the main thing, you guys. The main things, keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing is eternity. That is the main thing. It's very easy to look around this world and get discouraged. I get it. It happens to me too. But then Jesus reminds me, why are we so surprised when a fallen world acts like a fallen world? Why are we so surprised when, that we live in a fallen world and things look like a fallen world? Why are we so surprised? We shouldn't let that discourage us. That's business as normal. What we need to do is persevere so that we are on Jesus' team when he wins. Okay? Every bit of evil you see around you simply confirms the truth of the Bible, you all. I'm amazed at people who see evil and say, well, God can't exist. It's just too much evil in the world. God doesn't exist. That, 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 that doesn't make any sense to me. That's exactly what God said. When, when you see evil, then you are confirming what God told you. Um, he presented Jesus as the answer to that evil. We could even make the argument if this world wasn't evil, the Bible would be false. Because the Bible would be talking about this evil stuff that we need redemption from, and this Shangri-La utopia we're living in doesn't, doesn't accord with that. Okay, So understand when you see evil, when you see people abandoning the church, when you see pedophilia and, and murder and, and, and adultery and marriages falling apart, that, that, that is happening exactly as God said it would. Okay? And we will have trouble. But take heart. He's overcome the world. That's what the message of the Bible is, and that's why Jesus is necessary. Okay? Do not let the things that God said would happen, keep you from following God. Persevere in godliness. Don't quit. Okay? Let's look around us and see the truth of God's word. And let's let the evil that we see, the discouragement we see, make us hunger and thirst for Jesus more. That's the call. Keep the main thing the main thing. This world will never be what God wants it to be until he returns. And until then... We persevere in godliness. We keep going. Um, I want you guys to look around here. Take a look around at our church. See all this right here? You understand that Catalyst didn't exist 15 years ago. 15 years ago, we were a dream. Okay? Anytime anyone wants to quit, I want you to come to my office and I want to sit you down and tell you how we got here. 15 years ago, this was our situation in 2007. I was an untested youth minister. I had nine years of youth ministry experience. I'd never been a senior minister before. Um, John Kelly had never led worship as a, as a worship minister before. Never done, never worked at anything outside of youth ministry before. We had this dream of planting a church that would reach the family through reaching men who we could do missions out of. We could, be, we could bring God's kingdom through. We had this vision of expanding God's kingdom by planting a church, and we hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. Local church planting uh, th didn't want anything to do with us. There, we got politicked out. There was a church that said, if you support them, we're out. And we got, it was really ugly. We got no support. Our sending church, Southern Acres, was in turmoil, couldn't support us. We had no money. We had no 
claim, we were criticized right and left. Uh, no one believed in us except for the people that started with us. And we had to, we started at East Jessamine High School in March of 2008. And we rented the theater and the cafeteria and we did why anybody came back after hearing those sermons, I have no idea. They were awful. We were, uh, it, it, we were immature. We were untested. We had no idea what we were doing. But we didn't quit. We kept showing up. We decided that we had three things. We had the Word of God. We had the Holy Spirit of God. And we had each other. And if we had those three things... We could accomplish anything that God had for us. And here we are, almost 15 years later, we're having our 15-year anniversary in March or whenever, whenever it is. As a testimony to what happens when you don't quit. Babe Ruth said it, you cannot beat someone who won't quit Stay in the game, Christians. We're called to persevere in godliness. I don't care what is going on out there. We have the word of God, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have each other. And that is all we need to be victorious in this world. Merry Christmas and God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Adios.